Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. This week we're going on a run, everyone. We're going on a run with Dustin Hoffman in 1976's Marathon Man. He He's never run a marathon, everybody, but that's still the title of this movie. Uh, before we get started... How was my week? Um, actually, right, no. <laughs> uh, I've... I've had a very brief between recordings week. We How are, was your week? We are we're doing a lot of recordings back to back just because mm-hmm. we're in a groove, I guess. Right. We're not. I we're think, also anticipating, I think, spending almost four hours on our next recording. So there's a lot there's of gonna, yeah. Ben Hur is going to be long. Uh, right now we're doing it as all as one, uh-huh. but it's going to be a whole thing. And then, um, you know, last year we had to take a break because. You had to have surgery. Right. Nobody's, it's fine. I'm not mad. But I think we're maybe buffering in case something happens that we have things that we can keep releasing. Oh, thank you. Because uh, at my age, it's my God turn. only knows whatever can happen. <laughs> it's my turn now. So I, I presume you are not going to be the thing. I think I might be the thing. We'll see. Hopefully not. No, Hopefully we're both hale and hearty for the whole year. I got a little Irish in there. All right, you want to talk about this movie? Yes, I do. So this movie was... Is it an actual thriller as opposed to the film that we saw last week? Absolutely. It even says on the tra- on the, the movie poster, which you'll see if you look at your uh, at the art for this episode, because I include the mm-hmm. movie poster, it says Marathon Man, Marathon Man, Marathon Man, Marathon Man, a thriller. <laughs> so there you go. That's what you need to know. I think know. that you should sing the first four and then just do jazz hands with Thriller. Thriller! Yes, there we go. <laughs> I did the jazz hands. You'll just have to believe me. She did it. This I can movie testify was, to that. This uh, movie was made in 1970, or released in 1976. It's based on the 1974 novel of the same title, uh, written by William Goldman, written mm. for the screen by William Goldman. Look at you, adapting your own work. Right. Good job. He's very good at that. And we've seen, previously we saw uh, Butch and Sundance Kid, which is William Goldman's as well, but he just wrote that as a screenplay directly for the screen. And, and we're, then, we're revisiting people that we've seen before. John Schlesinger directed Midnight Cowboy. Yes, yeah, so we talked about Midnight mm-hmm. Cowboy previously. When you said that it was directed by Midnight Cowboy, I was like, oh no, I will cry. <sighs> but then Dustin Hoffman didn't die sad in a bus. No. So then it, I didn't cry. <laughs> But you winced. I think there's a lot of wincing going on in this film. Yeah, there's... It, yeah, it, we'll get into it. But um, the torturer in this movie, and there is a torturer in this movie, so, oh, let's do content warning. Oh, Nazis, gosh. anti-Semitism, Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- dental things. Oh, God, the dental <laughs> things. Uh, the, the torture in this movie is a dentist. The Nazis found a dentist to be a torturer. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave that with everyone because it is as bad as you think it is. There's a point, and I thought about, I thought it early in the film. I was like, Dustin Hoffman is holding his mouth in this really weird way where mm-hmm. you could see a lot of his teeth. You thought it was tooth acting like Charlton Heston. It turned, but but not. It was different. Uh-huh. It's just a, like a jaw. Set. Charlton Heston seems to be grimacing most yes. of the time. He's putting his teeth out front and forward. Hoffman is just letting you see him, and it's so that when later he's got a hole in his front teeth right. that they have drilled into, 
you can see it because you are clocking his teeth. It's, uh, this is very painful. Right, and believe it or not, that was, there were even more violent scenes in the film that were edited out. Because they just couldn't, they were like, we um, get it. Right, there... <laughs> Uh, there's a, a small list of excise scenes, and one of them was an extensive scene of the with prosthetics of the tooth actually being drilled into. No, no. And uh, John Schlesinger was like, well, I, I think he said he'd uh, seen two a Japanese film and two German films, which both included, among other things, someone's penis being nailed to a board and one being cut off, which I'm thinking might be in the realm of the senses, I don't know, um, or audition. I, I can't remember which one has that scene. But um, the thing Spoiler was, alert for those movies, I guess. Right. They're movies where a penis could be nailed to a board. Um, but the thing is that it's so he just thought he could push the violence and the, the studio and the audiences, the test audience are like, no, oh, no, 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 no. Here's the, difference. Here's the, right. the very visceral difference. Mm-hmm. I and you, hopefully, don't right. know what it is like to have your penis nailed to a board. Yes, I no. never will. Hopefully, no. also, you never will. So showing it has some effect. Right. Everybody. Yes. Not everybody. Most people know what dental pain is. And so all you have to do is suggest it, mm-hmm. and we as the audience get it. Oh, yes. I, I was and really... Hoffman has very uh, convincing screening. I was startled to <laughs> keep... Yeah. <laughs> I was startled to find out that um, there were, for a while, there was a pain company that used to advertise and subliminally in the background you would hear a dentist drill going off. And that was their way of sort of instilling in you yeah. the idea that you could be in pain at this moment. And it, it's a wonder that people have so much anxiety around right. dental procedures. Uh, maybe I'm just speaking yes, for me. Uh, I don't know, but I know that I'm not. I know that I'm not. Lady Olivier, uh, Joan Plowright. Uh, very and there's a lot of funny stories involved around the making of this film, uh, because typically when you have a film this intense, people tend to have a good time with it. I don't know why. Like because they, they have to. They have to sort of relieve the pressure of being and in these Olivier really. Olivier telling right. to Hoffman, "How about you try acting? Exactly. Get out of because he's me- Hoffman is method. Olivier is a professional actor right. who understands that this is a job." <laughs> And we're playing pretend. Right. So he's, uh, Joan Plowright actually just like swatted her husband and said, My God, after all this time, we finally got the children to go to the dentist and you do something like this. What are they going to think? What are they gonna th- well, they shouldn't. If the children are just now visiting the dentist, right. they shouldn't see this movie. Right. I'm exactly. going to argue that this movie it's, should it's be rated R. It is. <laughs> rated R. Okay. Right. So. We meet Thomas, but he doesn't go by Thomas. He goes by Babe mm-hmm. Levy. That's Dustin Hoffman's character. And he's a PhD. He's a PhD student. candidate. So he's been in school for 12 years after. <sighs> this was an issue that you had with his age. I mean, the first image that we really start out with, and just to explain. He's running. He's running. Well, the not even we him, What we see is another man running. Well. Abebe Bikila who is the 1960 Olympic marathon winner. Is that who that is? Yeah, that's who that is. I'm like, who is this? And he keeps it, and I, I needed presume, to... I, I uh-huh. literally presumed it was the black runner from the Nazi games. Right, Jesse Owens, who apparently, I looked it up because... No, that didn't look like Jesse no, Owens, but I was like, well, but that's who it Jesse would be, Jesse Owens right? didn't have a mustache when he was running. Um, so I was like, who is that guy? 
And um, I tried to Google it and I couldn't. Yeah, I, I found out. Do, you figured it out. So that's who it is? So he What's was uh, in um, <laughs> Adebe Bekila. Abebe Bekila. Spell it. A B B E B. And there's B I K I L. He's an Ethiopian. He's an Ethiopian. Ethiopian marathon runner. And he ran barefoot. He wanted the whole world to know that his country, Ethiopia, has always won through determination and heroism. And most audiences assume it's Jesse Owens. That was the thing. Right. I but, was like, because mm-hmm. this movie is about Nazis, spoiler alert, this movie is about Nazis, so I would presume that the black runner that you put on the screen, and don't tell me who it is, is Jesse Owens. Now, I know, also know, though, that Jesse Owens didn't run marathon. That was not his sport, I don't believe. So, it just, I was just like, who is this and why? <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I think that maybe, again, granted, we're looking at historical pieces, whether or not they, they intended to be. Um, and so, in 1976, the memory of the Ethiopian runner who ran barefoot, which was kind of a spectacle, would still be pretty fresh in people's sure, minds. Sure, but we don't really see him. We see, we see him, him coming, largely from the right. waist up, which, right. <laughs> once again, it's like if you're trying to get me to understand, I don't know, it's just it's an odd choice it's, to not have any context. Right. He, That's he would probably be more recognizable to audiences then. And we see him, I believe, three or four times throughout yeah, the, field, he, the, the film. But his message, I think, rather than the Nazi message, which is what you were thinking with Jesse Owens, what people assume with Jesse Owens, this whole idea about grit and determination pushing you through, just keep pushing, actually right. contributes to the character. Right, which Dustin he Hoffman's, says, yeah. which he could have quoted. Mm-hmm. He could have had a thing up on right. his wall that his girlfriend asked him about at one point. Right. Like, give me right. context. Okay. But... Especially because, I mean, we're 50 almost 50 years removed uh-huh. from this, the making of this movie. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just left confused. Like, okay, and well... Another thing that we should remember, this is 1976. The thing that is puzzling to us now is that there were people in middle age, in early old age, who were people who had been in the camps. Of course. Who were prison guards in the camps. Yeah. Not everyone was captured. And that was an atmosphere that, when I was a kid, that was I was in the in the '80s when I was really aware of these there things. There was still a chance. There was still there a was chance still a that chance. you would run into these people. Yeah. Um, the basis, the idea behind this film is the fact that uh, Joseph Mengele was never found. Right. He fled. He was presumed. Yeah. Dead, but he fucked off to South America yeah. somewhere, and he lived a full life there. And he was perhaps the absolute worst of these characters. And this character is. Not Clear, he's very clearly based he's on him. He's based on him, but right. he does different. He's different. But Mengele was also a doctor. Yes. So, which is where the the whole yes. element of having him as a dentist came yeah. in. Um, Although but, there definitely were dentists that were tortures. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a real thing. Yes. But this character is not a real thing. So, oh, but what we're saying is, mm-hmm. so yeah, we see that character running, and that is the first thing you see, and then you see Babe running, um, getting lapped by dudes. <laughs> which is pretty funny. Uh, he is a runner, and he also is a PhD um, candidate. His father was a historian who died by suicide. We are led to believe it's unclear. Uh, 
that uh, during the McCarthy era, era as uh, for being a communist. Now, this Wikipedia article says that he's re- Babe is researching the same field as his father, but that is not what is happening. <laughs> what we really, find out finding yeah. out is Babe is trying to exonerate his father. That is what he is trying to do, yeah. which I don't think PhD programs will allow that. That feels a little like you're not going to take our money and prestige to do a personal, like a passion project. Right. When that passion project is your literal father. Like, I just don't, although his father is a historically important man. Let me ask you a question, because I know that we went over this with Rocky, too. Yeah. Would you find Babe to be neuroatypical as well? No. Really? I don't think so. There's he does things in the course of this film that were like either and I couldn't make out whether he's so tightly focused on his father that he doesn't know how to speak to a woman at all. He does it these really weird things. Me to know how old um, his character is supposed to be right. because right off the bat I was like, uh, Dustin Hoffman looks like a forty year old man in this movie, and you're like everybody looks like a forty year old man to you. And then I looked it up, and he was thirty eight when they filmed this movie. Right. Dustin Hoffman's a forty year old man in this movie, and I don't know if Babe is a forty year old man mm-hmm. or a twenty five year old man, which is how old he would be twenty twenty four twenty five if he's starting a PhD program. Right. He is. Mid, he would be mid twenties if he stayed in academia straight through and didn't right, leave. If he stayed in academia, which right. I think that this character, it makes sense that he would have stayed mm. in academia straight through, because what we don't see any evidence that he left and was working for ten years out in the world. We there's no evidence of that. It seems like he is a student and has always been a student. Mm. So which means he'd be twenty five. And then, you know, you're a history major with a famous father's death hanging over you, and you've put yourself in the school where he was famous. Meeting his students. As a matter of fact, one of his early scenes is with um, uh, Fritz Weaver, who plays Professor uh, Basenthal. Yeah. Who is only in this one scene. He's very good in it because he's Fritz Weaver. <laughs> That's, you know, uh, to anybody who remembers the, yeah. the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, he was actually a very good actor. Um, and he uh, he plays a professor who kind of outs Babe for what he's trying to do, which is you're using this, your whole field of study is elliptical to validating your father to, because he's, to, he's Yes, innocent. to proving your father's right. innocence. And he's like, well, don't you think my father was innocent? And... The, and he said that the professor says, I think he was guilty of being a bunch of things. Right. But of the charges, he was 100% yes, he, I don't think he, uh, he says, I, I think he was guilty of hubris. I think he was guilty of pride. I think he was guilty of intellectual vanity. I don't think he was a communist or whatever he was. Not of. only I don't think he was a communist. Right. He was not. He was right. 100% innocent of yeah. the charges that were laid against him. But And we'll be seeing... Uh, the charges were enough to break that vanity. We'll be later seeing, in this set of films, we'll be seeing um, The Manchurian Candidate, which is about the McCarthy hearings in a sort of a a fictionalized version of them. So we'll get an even better sense of what it and was I'm like. And I'm going to go ahead and say... Um, I stayed with anybody who was accused. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't think that being a communist necessarily no. makes you an evil person. No, no. They, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of a one-two. Right. So what? And also, you are having you're you're literally torturing people to get them to give you the information that you want. That information is inaccurate. That's how torture works, everybody. That's no, at how the time, works. they thought it would. They had different ideas. Of course, we now know that that's ridiculous. We do now know, and they still torture. So, right. uh, because I think there is a toxic masculinity thing of if I hurt him enough, he'll give me what I want. It's this innate thing in man. There are some people who respond. Women too, but there I are feel some like people it's a who respond thing. like if you hurt me, I'll give you everything. And there's some people, and you know, several of them. I'm one of them who's just like. You know, no, because you did that. I'm not going to do that. You're not going to do that. But also, if you break someone and they just start telling you things, right? What they're telling you is very likely not. It's what you want to hear. It's what you want to hear to make it because it needs to stop. They need you to stop. Yeah, it's. We're not telling anybody anything they don't know. But y'all, torture doesn't work. Um, no, torture will get you information. But it's not good information. Whether or not it's, it's accurate not information, or right? Accurate yeah. or yeah. So, uh, so we we see Hoffman. He's at uh, he's running and he's at college. We also see Roy Scheider, uh-huh. who apparently <laughs> I didn't realize the whole time until you said, "Well, that's his brother." As his brother, Doc. Everybody in this movie has a nickname, and it's the best. Um, his name. Is Henry Levy, but he goes by Doc. Uh, Babe thinks that he's an oil executive and a richy rich, mm-hmm. but he is in fact a government agent for like the CIBI, some sort of. Well, he's yes. Later ghost. on, we learn there's the FBI, there's the CIA, and there's the people who get things for other people. And they do the jobs that other people don't want to do. And that's the organization that he works for. Yeah, it's supposed to be a, a secret agency of, like, when the FBI can't and the CIA won't. Or, right. the vi- or vice versa. Like, they have a little pithy thing. But it's really... It's probably CIA, actually. It's probably CIA. It's probably off-book CIA right. is what it is. But um, he is... Um... Serving as a diamond court. This this plot is very confusing to me. Okay. So at the very... The, the other thing that happens right off the bat, apropos of nothing, but in the city where uh, Doc is... The catalyst, he sees though. the accident, uh-huh. is a car accident uh-huh. um, wherein an uh, elderly Jew and an elderly Nazi, mm-hmm. a German man who... Turns out to be a Nazi. Yells epithets at a Jew, and yeah. so is called a Nazi by the by the right. Jewish people he's around. Um, the the Jewish man follows the other man in his car and rams him from behind a number of times and tries to run him off the road, and then they end up running together into a fuel truck, and it explodes. And then we hear the news talking about this accident in in New York, wherein Klaus, Klaus Zell, uh, the name is S-Z-E-L-L, is the brother of, and then you hear this on the radio, um, famed 
Nazi torturer Christian Zell presumed dead from you know, after the release uh, the, mm-hmm. the opening of the camps in 1946 or whatever presumed dead is the is the key term there because <laughs> y'all he ain't, he ain't. Uh, and then we find that this Christian Zell who Dr. Christian Zell, Nazi war criminal, the dentist, we call him. Also, we call him Der Weisse Engel, the white angel, because he has, like, a prominent mane of white hair. Now, in this case, he's either wearing a bald... He, I think he is wearing yeah. a bald cap, but he has shaved the yeah, top of his him. head. So he still has white hair around the sides, but the top of his head is uh, has been shaved when we see him. He is played by Laurence Olivier. Um... Now, what did you think about his performance here? I'm curious. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. Okay. Uh, it's the best actor I, acting I've seen from him. It's very interesting. You know, it's very weird because um, I have now seen him in three things, right? This, and then what were the other two that I did You like? saw him in Rebecca? That's right. And you saw him in Spartacus? Yep, and I didn't care for him in either of them. I felt like he was phoning in these performances i it was just i mm-hmm. i didn't find him compelling to watch i didn't find now maybe so he's a stage actor maybe that's it but i was mm-hmm. like i don't i don't see it here he's very compelling and i do like mm-hmm. his performance he's a nazi so it's hard for me to be like oh yeah it's my favorite version of him he's a nazi torturer like ooh. <laughs> um so doc it okay Doc is, is this, a secret agent. No, no, Doc. He's not. He's a courier. He's but not a secret agent. He is. He's literally just. He's, how can I put it? <laughs> he does secret agent stuff. Yes, sure. So, fundamentally, Christian mm-hmm. Zell has been living in Venezuela. His fortune that he escapes Germany with, mm-hmm. Auschwitz specifically, is diamonds. It started as the gold that he stole from their teeth, which absolutely happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then he upped it to diamonds. So he has caches of diamonds um, sort of all over the world, and they're being couriered by agents of the United States government Roy Scheider particularly is is the one that we see, but there are multiples. And we see couriers being killed. Like, we don't know actually who's doing that. Uh, yes, in, in creepy ways, they, they... And then we, I guess we they find put out explosives that Zell's doll. doing it. There's a really... Yes. There are scenes in this film that border on horror... Yeah. Like the the doll whose eyes slowly open before it explodes. And it's ticking and then it explodes. Right. Or um, the um or when we Doc first visits his brother and that scene is straight up played as a horror film. He Oh yeah. Doc wakes up in the darkness and there's something moving in the babe shadows does. and he can't you know, babe babe does, wakes rather. Up, yeah. And he sees something in the shadows and he can't make out what it is. And, and then, then a it, pillow goes over his face. Right. And then it's his brother fucking with him. Right, exactly. That's very brother stuff. But in the background, I guess Zell is killing off these couriers, but mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure 
why. Um, and there, but all of the diamonds have been gathered from these various places in the world and sent to New York to be under the cover or to be kept under the care of Klaus, his brother. But now Klaus has died in a road rage incident uh, because he yelled Judah, which I guess is German for Jew. Or Juden, I, I can't remember. At, uh, no, it wasn't Juden. Um, at this Jewish man who then uh, yelled Nazi back at him and then they fought in their cars. Their 70s era cars that are made out of like steel. Yeah. And then drive into a fiery flame of death. And uh, and now, if he wants his diamonds, he's got to come to the U.S. And he has not, he doesn't want to do that because he is recognizable. <laughs> because there are people on the streets of New York who were in Auschwitz right. and were tortured by him. And so he does not want to show yeah. his face there, which, correct. And it turns out he is right. <laughs> um, so he can't. He feels like he can't trust anybody. He's having all of the handlers and uh, couriers murdered, and he's also going after the family of the couriers, which, which is, is why like Babe is getting did. pulled in. Yeah. Right. So he, he attempts to kill. He sends someone he, to kill Doc. Doc escapes death right. like three times and then he's like I'm worried about my brother I'm gonna go to New York which there's like a a yes and no situation here mm. where it's like he's found you three times and is still trying to kill you if you put yourself in the same city as your brother you are putting well, your brother there's a in danger why, but one of know. the things that we haven't discussed is that um Babe meets a young woman in library. Yeah, but Doc doesn't know that. Yeah, no, 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 no. But what he does know is that he, he meets her. Um, they start a relationship. Yeah. Even though it's like very awkward the way that he begins this. And his visit is spurred by the fact that Doc is assaulted in Central Park coming home late, him and this woman. Oh, that's right. And that's what sets off in... So Doc's like mind. There, he's, oh, they're, they're brother, right. you know, two guys in business suits attack my, you know, they, they mug right. us. Like, yeah. what was that about? And the woman that he meets is Martha um, Keller. Keller. Mm -hmm. She plays, what's her name in this? Elsa? Elsa. And uh, she sits Cold never bothers opposite her him and asks for his pencil and he won't give it to her because he only uses pencils in his academic work, which that struck me as weird. That's maybe the oddest thing about him. Uh -huh. uh, and But then he, like, follows her kind of home and asks her out, and she says yes. Uh, I don't think... He's not any more awkward to me than 90% of men I, see, I talk to on dating apps. Like, you're like, oh, I think uh, he's got autism. Okay. And I'm like, no, he's just a man. <laughs> I don't think... I, I didn't see anything. I'm just... The, what I think now is I get I older... I think he is... In the depths of a fairly significant depression. Uh -huh. um, and I think that he doesn't quite know where his life is going to go, especially if he can do the thing that he wants to do with his PhD dissertation, which is exonerate his father. Right. I don't know that once he's done that, he's going to have any concept of what he wants in his life, but I don't think he's Having autistic. heard what you just told me and seen these kind of 
I'm beginning to believe at my age now that I was so much smoother than I thought I was. I, I guess I had moves. Here's a, here's a pro tip right. for me to literally everyone. <laughs> women, if you want to talk to women in any sense, but specifically in a romantic sense, I need you to remember that they're people. Right. That's all. Well, talk you, to them like they're people. What strikes... <laughs> what, it's not seemed that to me to be odd is that he just stops gobsmacked and tells her that she's so pretty. And she sort I of... I like that because sometimes you see somebody and that is all you can think or say. So he puts her... She puts him off by saying, you know, when he follows her home and... He uh, does follow her home. It is stalkerish. It's also the 70s and men are fucking terrible. And so, so she, she... He's very he's polite. He's also very small. Right. So she could push him down the stairs if she wanted well, to. He's also very fit in this movie, too. I mean, he's gained... He's lost 15 pounds. There's a scene in home. here that I believe was in Dustin right. Hoffman's contract, which is they are on the floor post-coital, uh-huh. and he, they're both breathing very, like, they both just ran a fucking marathon, right? right? And he, like, tries to get back up on her again, and she's like, I can't. And he goes, thank God, neither can I. And I'm like, he made them put this in the movie. I think that... <laughs> just um, to be like, the prowess. Well, well, I think also stamina. But he's a marathon runner. Right, yeah. exactly. And I think no that... Shit. At first, that was sort of funny, and then I realized, oh no, that's kind of it's. There's a lot of uh, that says something about his character too. The fact that he will always push it, but and he says at one point because she says, "Doesn't it hurt?" And he goes, "Of course it does. You just push, and do you you do it anyways?" Yeah, and so he he will keep pushing it. So good for her for being like, "Uh, no, right, (laughs) like." Fucking no. But yeah, it, it's, but this hurts both of us. Uh, no. I like the way that they're, I mean, it's an odd relationship to start with. Um, because she tells him that nothing's going to happen, and he's like, but something could happen. She says, he's polite I, enough to where he doesn't try to like get into her room. He doesn't no. do any of that. He, he just he's, wants to have he's dinner with very her much over. a little kid because the minute she says, okay, I'll go out with you, he he's jumping up and, up and down. And he, Which is. More confusing when I'm like, so is he 38 or right. is he 20? 25, I, I believe that. 38, I'm like, woof, man. Like, so you really need to get out more. <laughs> they wind up going out. They wind up falling in love. Or at least he does. We'll find uh, out yeah, more about we, her yeah, later. Yeah. And then, Although I still don't know about her. Right. She's There's a lot of loose ends in this film, but not in a way that made me frustrated with it. Other than... The courier business, like we were talking about. Um, I'm, I, I was, yes, admittedly, intoxicated when we watched this movie. Mm-hmm. But I also think that this movie leaves, like, three things out. Right. Where you're just like, but wait, I don't understand See, but I, what's I, what. I kind of appreciate that because the sort of world that all these people are operating in doesn't have... There is, yes, yes, and there's enough of a conclusion mm-hmm. for the characters that we're watching right. that it is satisfying. But yeah, I'm just like, wait, I'm so fucking confused. Yeah. Like, why don't they just courier that shit to Venezuela instead? You, you can go all over Europe. He's all over Europe at the beginning, Doc is. Like, why can't we go to South America? 
and drop stuff off there. And it has to go to New York. He like, seems I, to be in the actual when we see um, uh, Zell in the beginning. He seems to be in the actual proper jungle too. He's like by a river in an old. It's it's. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. There's only a couple of scenes. The scene where he's shaving his head to sort of give him to take away the. The, the, the white, the beautiful white hairs right. that will definitely get him. But yeah, well, the motivation for Doc coming back is the fact that that uh, Babe gets jumped yeah, that's in the right. park by these that's guys right. who are very unlikely. They didn't seem to want anything other than just to rough him up, him and, uh, and Elsa. Elsa. Yeah. And then he um, takes the two of them out. He's visiting. He crashes there. He takes mm. his bed, which is so fucked up. And then um, he's like, I get the bed. <laughs> I'm like, you're a visitor. Um, and then he takes the two of them out for dinner at which point yeah he doc basically says where are you really from he she says she's from switzerland and he's like no no you're not uh and she um sort of breaks down and he rather than accusing her of being a spy or something she he accuses her of wanting an american husband for a visa which Honestly, I doubt, I doubt that Babe would have minded if that ended up being true. No, probably not. Like. He's smitten at this point. And she says, she pushes him off at the beginning. She does not pursue him. Mm Mm-hmm. So if they end up wanting to stay together and then they want to get married then yeah, then U.S. citizenship is going to become necessary at that point. Although he's a historian, and guess what? You can do that from anywhere. You know where most of the history is? Not here in this country. Mm. Go back to Europe. It's all over there. Um, And so they have this big blowout at this dinner, which is rough, (laughs) where he had not... It's not even dinner, it's lunch, because he has to get a tie from... Babe has to get a tie from the host Mm -hmm. because he's just wearing like a jacket and a polo shirt but there's a tie requirement at this restaurant and he's like how did you like how did you forget your tie and like doc asks him and babe's like i didn't forget who wears a tie to lunch like (laughs) what are you talking about i thought we were going for burgers or whatever and you brought me to this fancy ass oh, yeah. place when it's daylight outside that's, i shouldn't have to wear a tie that's kind of why doc reads spied to me because he's doing kind of he's james bond thing james bond he right? is giving i mean james we bond. see him exercising and you forget how really fit roy scheider was yeah there's a scene where for a while you don't see anything you just hear him going <gasps> and i'm like he's definitely doing push-ups he's not fucking but they really want me to believe that he's fucking <laughs> but he, he was uh, doing push-ups with his feet elevated push-ups. elevated put his feet on the bed and then uh, his hands on the floor and he uh, seems hard he, they're both very wiry in this right movie. If I didn't see their actual bodies, uh-huh. I'd be like, these two are not related to one another. Roy Scheider's nine and a half feet tall, and <laughs> Dustin Hoffman is two two. Like what? The how are they brothers? But they they're they're tendony wiry bodies. <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe there could be yeah, they could be related. Doc, he he's very fit. He fends off an attack, and there was apparently another physical attack that he was supposed to fend off earlier in the film. That was one of the ones that was cut. Because it was considered too violent. 
Yeah. Uh, this one's pretty bad. A, a garrote, that's a pretty awful way to try to kill somebody. Yeah, come up behind Doc and and put the garrote over him. And, uh, he, and he had just seen... This is back in Europe. This uh, is before he makes the trip, trip across the water. But he had just seen his contact where who, from whom he was receiving something. Right. Diamonds, I think. Uh, had just been garroted in the opera. Uh-huh. So it comes over his the front of him and he puts his his fist up in front right. of his face so it cuts his wrist and but it stop and then but then it pulls to his face. And what I like about it like, is that it winds up very much unlike movies nowadays. He carries that with him for the rest of the film as long as he's in the movie. Yeah, he's only he's only probably alive in the movie's time about another three days, right. three or four days. Because that I think right after that is when he goes to confront Cell. Well uh, yeah he goes to New York and mm-hmm. then he has his one day with his brother and his lunch date where he, you right, know, blows tears, a, tears apart his brother's relationship. And then that night he goes to confront Sal and is like, you need to keep family out of this. And I don't think that he thinks that Sal is doing, is going to murder himself. Right. Like, I think he thinks, oh, he's got henchmen. So me meeting with him in the dark at night in the middle of the park in New York is totally fine. And then he gets knifed. Zell has an unusual weapon, which is like a knife on a wristband that's spring-operated. It's spring-operated, like a like a switchblade that comes from right. his sort wrist. Sort of like Spider-Man. He flicks his wrist and the knife comes out, and that's... You know who else has one of those? Who? Hannibal Lecter. Oh, I didn't think of that. He cuts a femoral artery with that in the third book. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I read those books. Um... And then, yeah, he is stabbed in the stomach. Mm-hmm. He makes it back to Babe's house. Right. But he does die in his brother's arms. And it, Hoffman's acting here is very good. Yes, uh-huh. he is a method actor. I hope he doesn't have to watch somebody actually die to go ahead and get into the sense base. Uh, but he is very good. Schneider was actually in this scene. I thought that was really... Convincing and horrible makeup. He looks like he's dying. He's yeah, gray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they like, make him the right color. Where right. you're like, oh, he doesn't have enough blood in his body. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the police interrogate Babe for like two hours, mm-hmm. and then the head of Doc's unit, government. Uh, entity uh, Janeway shows up, and that is William Devane, looking very young with a full head of dark hair. He's ve- he looks like the bad guy, and uh, turns out y'all. There's a reason guy. for that. So he starts. He starts with Doc was a good friend of mine. And then he basically pivots into interrogating Babe, which sucks. Uh, because he wants to know what Doc's dying words were, which I believe were Babe, right? Babe, mm-hmm. He says Babe twice, yeah, and that's it. This Wikipedia article tells me that Janeway reveals himself to be a double agent because he basically hands Babe over to Zell. But here's the thing. I don't think he's a double agent. I think that is what this agency is doing. This mm-hmm. agency 
it, so the the idea is that they have kept Christian Zell, and this is what this is where it fa- kind of falls apart for me. This is this is my problem okay. with the plot of this movie. This agency, in order to track down other Nazis and get information on other Nazis, has kept Christian Zell, a torturer, a murderer, alive in Venezuela for this long. They they know where he is, they know how to get into contact with him, and when they want another Nazi, they go to him and he snitches because he's the fucking worst. Which, fine. Fine. But here's where it falls apart for me. You can live. If you're going to be that valuable to us as an asset, you can live. What you can't do is have billions of dollars worth of diamonds. No, he he doesn't really have those with him. His brother has them. I understand. You know, safety deposit it, box. But right? they have allowed him to fly into the United States. Mm-hmm. They know that he is here, and they know what he is doing this is here. Something that and I'm like, why? We discussed. Is that... Janeway, and is that where he is a double agent? Where right. the government isn't like, yeah, let him have these diamonds, but he is like, well, I'll let him do. Like, yeah, is that I think what that, it is? As we discussed earlier, um, one of the motivations that's kind of unclear is what Janeway does. Although later it seems to indicate what he does, <clears throat> because there's a later scene where he actually helps, um, babe. That he might have been trying to get the diamonds get. Seeks them on behalf of the United States government or himself. (laughs) Maybe a little bit of both. You don't know how many diamonds are in here. I could take some. Sal doesn't know how many diamonds are. No, he does not. Uh, And we see when he sees them, the glee, the glee on his face. Um, Because he doesn't really even understand diamonds, right? right? Like, he goes, there's there's an extended scene where he goes to the Diamond District Mm -hmm. in New York which is primarily Jews, which is a terrible idea for him to do, but he does it. He goes, and what he asks for is, show me a three-carat diamond. So he knows what that looks like, because he doesn't even understand what a three-carat diamond is. Then, tell me how much it's worth. And they are like, no, 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 you bring me a diamond and I appraise it for you. And he's like, or or we negotiate the price of a thing. And he's like, no, 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 I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. he is coming in from zero. You can't Google. It's 1976. You can't Google how much is diamond worth. Right. Um, so he has to literally go be shown a diamond that's three carats so he has a baseline idea of what that is and then be told what it costs right. which is um fifteen thousand dollars per carat is the, the amount given to him so a three carat diamond would be 40 worth forty five thousand dollars that's our math then later he opens this briefcase that he has been able to get from the bank mm-hmm. And in those neat little safety deposit rooms, it's a safety deposit. I love. I I want a safety deposit box just to go into one of those rooms <laughs> right. once and be like, I can pretend I'm in a heist right now because you know I love a, watch a plan come together because this is not a heist movie. That's not what this is. Although he is kind of doing a heist because mm-hmm. he's can't say who he really is because right. he is presumed dead, and if he was alive. Uh, oh, no. everybody's going to yeah. want to go ahead and put him in prison or murder him, one of the two. Uh, and he 
opens up this thing and he pours and there's all these little containers we see uh, um the band-aid box that uh we know that doc had sent right and he just pours out diamonds from all of these containers and there are hundreds of them that are substantially larger than the three carat diamond that we were shown i mean there are millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of diamonds in this briefcase maybe a billion dollars worth of diamonds which is where i'm like why is the u.s government allowing him to get these or yeah maybe you are just gonna let him put his hands on him and then yoink him right because i I had the feeling that william devane's character is so shady he is shady as fuck and I think that he was a perfect choice. He is a very good choice for that. Because you're like, who is his? who are his allegiances to? Right. And, and the answer that we get at the end is, well, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and so that's one of the... Himself, the, it seems. And beyond that... The loose ends that I'm going, I, I still have no idea what he was up to, but I'm okay with that because it really... And it, because mm-hmm. all that we have seen this agency do is work for Zell, to uh-huh. call him a double agent doesn't make a lot of right. sense. It just seems like this branch of the U.S. government works for this motherfucker. Period. End of discussion. Right. And I'm just like, so how is that a double agent? <laughs> He's just... An, it's it, The government has gone ahead and said, hey, this agency works for this Nazi. Thumbs up. And if you think that that hasn't happened in this world... Oh, no, 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 no. No. I, uh, <laughs> I had a, a co-worker, George Balsbaugh, who was uh, a bookkeeper at one of the store of uh, the um, at uh, Holmes Book Company, and he was this old Marine. He uh, he'd been he'd uh, served in Korea, and he uh, he uh, we used to have conversations because he'd actually gotten a belt in judo at the Kodokan. You know, okay. But uh, one of the things he told me once, just uh, he's no longer with us, sadly. He told me about in Korea they captured someone, they needed information out of him, and they couldn't get it just by sweating this guy, so they brought in their expert. And he says, I was shocked. This guy was a full-on heavy German accent, walks in with very much like you see Lawrence Olivier, a bag, and then half an hour later got everything he needed. He says, and that was the crazy part, because he's asking his, the George is asking the other people, uh, at this location, like, who the hell is that guy? And they're like, don't ask. Don't ask. He's an asset. Yeah, it's an asset. And then years later, he's he says... He's a terrible fucking person. I'm at a party in San Francisco, and there's that same Nazi asshole having a drink and smooching around with people, and he's like, I had to leave. Like, wait, where the hell... You just... That's what you got? You got... As long as you were useful to us, yep. you got to go... So, yeah. But that's the thing. To me... I uh-huh. understand the idea of an asset, and I understand the the value of that. Right. What I don't understand is you get to thrive and live high on the hog. No, no, right. no. You get to live, period. Well, there's a difference between Werner von Braun. Right? And you could even live free. Like, you're not gonna, right. we're not going to put you in a cage. But, but beyond that, fuck yourself. You don't get diamonds. Right. You don't get whatever you want. But, like, like von Braun was the guy who did the V2 rockets, and he helps the rocket program, and he's one of the reasons we get to the moon. So that's a valuable asset. The asshole who tortures people and gets stuff for you, that guy, go to hell. I don't know why we save people like that. I don't know what else he had, but... 
Yeah, and unless I'm getting a new perpetrator uh-huh. every week, whenever I need a new Nazi, right. I, I go to him. How many could he possibly know? Yeah. We'll do this for a, one one a week for two years, and then we're going to kill you. Like, oh, There's no way that 30 years on, mm-hmm. you should have the ability to be walking around New York City. I'm sorry, that's yeah. being crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, that story that he told me stayed with me, because it made me realize in a personal way, oh, I know people who know of this, who've encountered that kind of thing. And that's why stories like this, the boys from Brazil, for instance, sort of get to me, because I'm going, yeah, yeah, they were around for a while just sort of lurking in the shadows, and God only knows who they taught special skills to or whatever. Yeah, it's... So... I don't even know where we are. Janeway... So, so... Is... Separate from... Babe is kidnapped. Right. Babe is kidnapped and tortured for Doc's last words. But I don't fucking know why. They think that he's given up information. What information? You have a fucking suit. You know where a suitcase full of diamonds mm-hmm. is. Babe doesn't know anything about that. You do. Beyond that, what the fuck do you want to know? Right. I, I legitimately don't understand. Like, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm like, why did they? And he tortures him. He finds a cavity, and then he fucking tortures him and then he drills into fresh pulp well, no there's there's a break that happens and he there tortures him yes he tortures him break, first but and then they they put clove oil on it so you can have right. pain then or but like there's there's, well, there's a, a fake rescue tor- that Janeway stages yes yeah well that's after the after second the, thing after there, the first one and then the second one is where he goes into the he drills the front of his his tooth um I don't think so. I think it's pulp. I think it's cavity. Then it's fresh pulp. Then it's escape. And then he does it again. I think he does it. Uh, he there's more than one um, thing on his, but he does it a number of times because he because he he does it into the fresh pulp. And then you hear Zell tell Janeway he doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, see what you can get or whatever. And then Janeway breaks in, and I'm like, how do you? where this motherfucker is right now and I was like okay well he's clearly working with him which we kind of already knew but he's telling babe he needs to help or he needs help finding Zell but he doesn't he knows him so once again what what is the piece of information that you think babe knows it's never indicated I don't know what they're trying to get out of him it's that this is it safe? He keeps asking, "Is it safe?" Which is that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we're talking about the diamond, just go to the fucking bank and find out. Like, well, I think what, what happens is that we, <sighs> all those scenes with the torture take place, and then Babe is able to escape. And then Babe escapes. And then is when uh, Zell starts going off and looking for the diamonds. And, and that's well, that's when he just goes. He just right. Goes He's just like he gives up bank. at that point. I have to. I you know he can't. He doesn't have an alternative. He might have been trying to find out if. I assume that he is, that maybe he thought Doc told him the past, told him how to get the diamonds or where they're worth or whatever, but he seems to know but it's his brother's. That, yeah, right. but none of that changes anything, right? Mm-hmm. The diamonds, if, if, the one thing is, 
if Babe knows that Doc took the di- got, went to the bank and took the diamonds, which he couldn't have done, because that's not how safe deposits work. Um, and we saw the one of the keys melt, and mm-hmm. and Zell has the other key. There are right. two keys, and the Zell brothers have them, and one of them melted. We saw it in the in the fire yeah. at the beginning. Um, so you've got the only key to the safe deposit box. Just go fucking see what's in it. Why are we torturing and waiting? You want to get out of this country as bad as we want you out of this country. Why are you spending this time torturing this kid? For to what end? Go see if it's there. Because turns out it's there. Like he doesn't, in fact, know anything. And well, then you also find out that he has a connection with this family that goes. Well, that's the thing. So then he escapes. uh, Babe escapes, and um. Zell is gonna go goes down into the city the next mm. morning to first go to diamond the diamonds district right. and then go pick up the the diamonds. Which I don't know why you did it in that order. Do it in the other order. If you want to know how much something is worth, go pick your things up, take one, right. and take it to the diamond district. You'll get your information. Instead of making yourself look fucking sketchy as hell by going, show me a three-carat diamond, now tell me what it's worth, (laughs) which is a weird thing to do. Um, So I love how he's stymied by... And meanwhile, he keeps seeing people that he thinks recognize him. He's stymied by salesmanship. That's, I think, the funniest scene. It's like the guy won't tell him how much the diamond's worth because he's He's like, like, no, we gotta haggle. Oh my God, oh my God, I'm gonna have to get a new brother-in-law. Because I'm if we're gonna assess this wrong, he'll hate. And he's like, "Could you just tell me how much it's worth?" But wait, wait, and it's yeah. like, "God, that's that's great. I love it." Um, and at, uh, and Babe has broken away. He mm-hmm. he gets in a cab, basically naked, and he's wearing um. Like his pajama, uh, pajama pants, yeah. Mm-hmm. He uh, he gives his Rolex to the cab driver to give him a dime so that he can make a phone call because it's the seventies, y'all. So he had to go to a payphone. He calls Elsa to meet him and pick him up. He goes back to his apartment, but he can't go in because the agents are still looking or like still there lurking. And so he goes to his across-the-street neighbor who call him a creep mm-hmm. and a weirdo uh, and basically say, hey, says, hey, I want you to rob my house because <laughs> I need, like, clothes and a couple of items you and he can has have. His, da- his father's gun. Yeah, that's right. He needs, he needs his father's gun, mm-hmm. the one that he used to kill himself, um, some clothes. And I presume like a wallet or ID or whatever. And then right. he's, and they're like, what's in it for us? And he's like, I don't know. I've got a stereo and a TV. You can have whatever. Like, whatever's there that looks good to you that isn't the things that I want, you can have. That's what it is. And so he gets his buddies together at like 5 o'clock in the morning. This is very early in the morning. Right. Uh, to go rob the house. And Devane pops up on them holding a gun and seven Puerto Ricans turn <laughs> around and hold their guns at him and they're like, what are you going to do, motherfucker? Which one I think... And then they all just go into the apartment one by one and close the door behind them and Devane is like, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to... Right. I think that was one of the funnier scenes I, in the film. The look on Devane's face to just be like, 
oh, these people are in no way afraid of me. Right. Like, the idea of being afraid of me isn't even something that co- they comprehend. If that's how far from afraid of him they are. And he's just like, well, I, and all I to, do is work in fear. Right. He's used so, to impressing people yeah. and intimidating them. And so you have these guys who... And these guys are like, nah, no, no. I have a gun too. Yep. And they get out his clothes so he can, he can throw, throw his co- some clothes on. And he's got his gun, mm-hmm. uh, his father's gun. And then Elsa picks him up and drives him away. And away where they drive to is the house that his father committed suicide in, which we have seen in flashback. flashback. Uh, Babe was swinging on the swing outside, heard the shot, and then found his father's body through the by looking through the window. And we assumed that's childhood home. It wasn't. Mm. They were fucking visiting somebody. Who? Oh, uh, that's Sel's brother's house. Mm. So his dad was somehow tied up. Here's the thing, guys. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But the idea is that, and I think that's the reason why. But it means Elsa mm-hmm. was paid so at some point right. to, to, but to take mean, him here. But we don't know I think when. that's the reason why he is so fixated on these people. Uh, why Zell's character is fixated on Dustin Hoffman. Um, because he, he, yeah, and that's what I took know. it as. We don't know why mm. his dad killed himself in this house. No, we don't. We don't know how long Elsa's been tied up with them. She, I think she says that she was threatened. Mm-hmm. And so that's, like, she's, or, or you know. And she, she admits that she genuinely cares yes. about him. And she says, come on, let's go. They're not here yet. They're not going to be here for right. a while. We can go. And that there too. There's some really. There's a lot of really good acting in this film. Yeah. Suspense movie or not, there's a lot. Of, I mean, and, and it used to be. I mean, nowadays suspense movies sometimes you get gasps of fear and stuff. No, this was a really good performance because the look on Hoffman's face when he realizes what's going on. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, how long have you been? Right. He just looks like he's crushed. Yeah. Um, and it's not clear, like I said, it's fucking not clear. And Mm. then, uh, Janeway and two of Zell's men, or two of our men, who the fuck knows? Because I don't know who's... I'm not sure if they work for Zell or if they're, like, assigned to protect him once he's in the country. Unclear. Um, but they're fine with standing there and watching him murder a man in cold blood, so, Mm. you know. Uh, they show up, and then basically Janeway is like, well, how about... If um, you go get him and you could kill him, but I would like that uh, th- those diamonds though, please. And uh, to sort of seal that deal, Janeway kills the other two dudes, and then Hoffman agrees or Babe agrees, and he goes to leave, and then Janeway goes to pull his gun on Babe because he double crosses fucking everyone, uh, and Elsa says, you know, get down or be careful. He's 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 right. aiming at whatever she says at which point which earns her a fatal uh gunshot wound. And um but it does allow Babe to pull out his gun and shoot Janeway two times, once in the face, because in the seventies there yeah, was a everyone lot of got people shot in the face. Being shot in the face. That was what we did. Which I determined is just that's people that's bad shots. Right. 
what we're seeing is bad shooting because nobody is trained to shoot in the face. Your head is way smaller than your body. You you aim at center mass. Right. You don't aim at somebody's face. So if what you hit is the face, that also, kickback really got to you. To me, it's uh, <laughs> like the difference between, um, that was something they taught us in self-defense, is the the overhead strike with a knife is emotional. The underhand strike with a knife is, there's thought put into it. Because that kind of hacking downward motion is purely, like, that's a rage killing. And I think that after having been betrayed and seeing Elsa get killed and everything, he shoots him in the face out of almost vindictiveness. He's really angry I don't at this think point. he's good enough with that gun, and he never shot a person before. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a lot to shoot somebody in the face on purpose. <laughs> um, and I don't know that he had it. Uh, so then, then we then now is when we see Zell in in Manhattan right. in the Diamond District. One of the shops assistants thinks maybe he recognizes I know him you from somewhere, yeah. and he's like, "No, no, I don't. I'm good with faces. Maybe it was this side or the other, but he's bullshitting." And then he leaves the shop and he's walking down the street in a Jewish ass neighborhood. Another older woman starts yelling. Uh, his German name, Device Engel. Um, and she's like, stop him, stop him. He's a murderer. He's a killer. I'll stop him if you don't. Like, she, like, goes after him. Uh, but the shop, that shopkeeper follows him down, and he's like, no, I know you. At which point, Zell fucking takes his little knife and slices that dude's throat in the middle of the street. It's not really a little knife. It's pretty it's big. It's hidden. Uh, slashes that dude's throat in the street. Um, and then the other one, the woman is trying to cross the street and she gets hit by a taxi. She doesn't die, but he, um, he's able to sort of get away and get up to the bank. Mm -hmm. So he retrieves his diamonds and as he's leaving the bank, that's when Babe shows up again. He's like, okay. Like, I don't know how he knew what bank. I don't, I don't know how data is transferred in this movie because it's not by torture. (laughs) And he basically kidnaps him. He's still got his gun. They're walking together. He forces him at gunpoint basically into a water treatment facility in Manhattan. He um, waves his gun around and fires it so that the maintenance workers leave. I think he's also doing that so that they will send cops. Right. Right? He is making a scene where police will intervene because I don't think he has an end game for this situation. Um, and he knows that this dude is dangerous. Um, and Zell is like, I'll give you some. I'll da, 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 just let me get away with my diamonds. And uh, Babe's like, You can have as many as you can swallow. And then he starts, he's got the diamonds, and he starts taking handfuls of the diamonds and throwing them Yes. into the water, in the right. water treatment facility. Yeah, it's over a grate, so all the diamonds They're that he's melting. They're just bouncing and into the water. Yeah. But he throws them at him, and so right. Zell swallows one, and then he's like, I'm not doing this anymore. And then he opens his little, um, he goes, and pops his little blade out and he tells babe that both your brother and your father were weak which 
why are you antagonizing this man in this way? And so he's like, okay, if that's how you want it to be. And he chucks the whole briefcase. <laughs> um, and then Zell, this is the weirdest part for me because okay. I'm like, it's it's photographed real weird. There's a spiral staircase, but Zell doesn't even attempt to take a step down onto that staircase. He kind of just dives into a spiral staircase, which I don't know if you know this, that's going to end badly for everyone who tries it. Like, we can't. have a more or less spiral <laughs> kind of arrangement on the backside of our house, and I cannot tell you how many times walking at normal pace I have nearly fallen down that staircase. Yeah. Much less an actual spiral staircase that's made of metal yeah. in the damp. Yes. That's going to so be bad. He like, but, I, but we don't see him fall. It just looks like he dives, like that's mm. going to do anything. And his knife is out, and he does land on it and switchblade his own self. And then he falls into the water. And then we see Babe leave the water treatment center and chuck his gun into the reservoir, <laughs> which smart. Uh, and then that's the end of the movie. That's it. That's the end. And I'm just like, so many unanswered questions. So what did you think of the movie as a whole? Overall, it was very good. It was very thrilling. But once again, I'm just like, but what? Roger Ebert said that if you're the kind of person who gets bothered by plot holes, you'll find it maddening. If mm -hmm. you're the kind of person who goes in to be entertained, it's a hell of an entertaining movie. It is an entertaining movie. And I don't even mind... The thing is, the thing I don't like, here's, here's where I would differ with that. Mm. A plot hole to me, like my definition of a plot hole, is a hole in the plot such that the actions don't make sense. Right. I don't, other than the information they're trying to get from Babe, they're trying to torture out of him. That's the only piece of missing information, I think, mm. that would alter characters' behaviors in this movie. The why of that. Right. But, like, what his dad did do, I don't think is a plot hole. I don't think it's necessary for the machinations of this film. Mm. That's a sequel thing, maybe. Or yeah. a prequel thing, maybe. Um oh, There's a little bit about what this government organization really is and where their allegiances really lie. That's tricky for me. Um, one reviewer, in, or one critic in mentioning the film, or, or talking about the film, says that William Devane's character embodies capitalism. Sure. Absolutely. And so, yeah, and he's going to do whatever he can yes, to get his hands on those diamonds. His alliances are shifting entirely according to what he can get Where out that money at them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that scene, I mean, there's there's a lot of really good acting in this, which I I miss in terms of like modern thrillers. You don't, I don't get to see as much of that kind of thing anymore. Um, there's apparently there was um, Hoffman and Olivier, despite being two complete different ends of an acting spectrum, yes, yeah, got along really well. I believe that. Um, that means that Hoffman isn't full me method then. Method in the way that like we hear about like Daniel Day-Lewis where you can't even talk well, to that's, him. That's interesting because um, 
Because I don't think Olivier is going to put up with calling you by your character name outside. No. Like, uh, like I don't think he's, a, and he's like, that's fucking bollocks the, that we're not doing. The story that we're referring to is that uh, during the torture scene, Hoffman uh, went full method. As a matter of fact, earlier in the scene, the scene where he's kidnapped from his apartment, yeah, he had to be administered oxygen because he nearly drowned. The stunt I mean, man, they basically waterboard He told him. the stuntman... Don't hold, you know, like when you're holding me in the water, I'm going to try to back up from you. Just be very careful not to grab my throat. The stuntman got a hold of his Adam's apple somehow in the struggle and was grab crushing it. Okay. And then stunt he man? inhaled water. Now remember, back then, stuntmen, as you see clearly in the early Bond movies and stuff like that, stuntmen were martial arts experts, professional wrestlers. They were not, there was not a stuntman category like there is nowadays. These were just people who were... Retired sure, boxers. And, people should be able to not right. grab your throat. I don't know who these guys were necessarily, right. but the thing was that they held him underwater and they had to give him oxygen to get him to breathe again. So he, he was a guy who really threw himself into it. So for two days before... I'm actually surprised they even had Dustin Hoffman in that scene mm. because there's a bag over his head. Right, but I mean the scene where he's first being forced into head first in the bathtub. There's a bag over his head. They put a pillowcase right. over his head when you when when you see him going into the water, you can't see his face. So it's a little wild that they would have the actual Dustin Hoffman do that when you could have right a double a double do that but, when it's especially when hmm. it's sustained, especially after whatever the first take when that happened and they they have yeah. to bring it back. Maybe we don't do that again. <laughs> but he. Uh, he, or uh-huh. maybe the scene that we see. Yeah, but remember him. there are eight minutes of cuts out of this right. film. Right, maybe that was an yeah. early take, and they're like, "We're not doing that again with you. We're going to do that with somebody else." So we we'll put a, a bag over your head so but, it's not so visible. The scene that we we were referring to is that there's the a story, and there's different versions of it. But yeah, Dustin Hoffman. For the torture scene, stayed up for two days. Some people say three days before he shot that scene. Um, and he looks fucking terrible. He looks exhausted. <laughs> and uh, Laurence Olivier, apparently, according to the story, comes up to him and says, "You look terrible, my boy." Which he called everybody. My boy. It's like you really should try acting. <laughs> the thing is, I saw because you mentioned Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. An old interview with Daniel Day Lewis where he's just very upset about that. It's like, I just don't think that Olivier understood the importance of method acting and what it feels like to blah, 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 blah. Dustin Hoffman later on inside the actor's studio apparently just said, oh, no, we, he and I got along really well. He was kidding me. After the fil- we finished filming, he yeah, gave me... he is a little bit right. like, you could make this. I have been right. in this career for a long time, and the way, way that I have done that is I have acted. You can't keep what you're doing up. Right. There's a reason that there's that Daniel Day Lewis is retired from acting after every fucking movie that he does yes. because you cannot keep that pitch up. It's not healthy. It's not sustainable. So if you want a long career, method ain't it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so also you're probably a dick to your coworkers. Stop it. They got along really well, um, and. At the end of the production, Olivier gifted Hoffman the complete works of Shakespeare. Uh huh. And then, by him. Oh, that's the funny part. He's <laughs> giving it to him, and Hoffman's really appreciative. And then, 
Olivier starts just giving off the monologues of Shakespeare, to which Hoffman was just thrilled. He's like, like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Greatest living actor is now just doing Shakespeare for me. Once again, greatest living actor is rough for me. He's yeah. very good in this. I bet if I saw him in theater, I yes, would I could get on board. I think that's his. That is his. Now the interesting thing is, when I asked about his performance here, how you felt about it, because I think it was very good. But he's playing a fucking person who I am like can't wait till you die. It's really odd because <laughs> that's tough. A little bit later, there's an adaptation of the Boys from Brazil. Um, also a Nazi thing, right? Yeah, but he's playing the guy hunting Joseph Mengele. Gotcha. Who's played by Gregory Peck, of all people. And that was just an odd choice. Gregory Peck plays Mengele? Yeah. But Gregory Peck is an American. Yes. And uh, Also, he's just bucking real hard against that Atticus Finch. Yes, like, I what? think he's trying to hear from that one. But the interesting, what I learned about Olivier is that he... According to John Schlesinger, he was a difficult choice for the producers because they couldn't insure him. He was really, really deep in the throes of battling cancer at the time. Uh. And his body was, he said, riddled with it. And in the very beginning, Olivier shows up and everyone's trying to be very respectful, but he's just kind of in rehearsals, barely able to get the energy up for his performance. And then he goes, the minute the camera turns on, though, he's there, 100%. And he's in your face, and he's challenging you. Once again, try Uh acting. I'm here at these rehearsals, and I'm not doing it 100%, so that when it matters, I can do what needs to do. And Schlesinger said that was what amazed him and Scheider and everyone else on the film, is that watching him just come to life all of a sudden. Like, wow, there he is. That's, That's the guy. The scene... I mean, as as difficult as it is to watch the torture scenes, he, the uh, he does a Olivier does a really great job. The way that he keeps her is it safe? Is it that whole? Is it safe? Yeah, is it safe? Is it's it safe? very and I'm strange. Still like, is what safe? What are you talking right. about? Right, and you know what? We'll never know. Right, <laughs> it's, it's very much. Um, like I said, I, I I mentioned that when we were watching. If he didn't die, though, I don't think I would like this movie because then the plot holes would just have been infuriating. Yeah. But everybody who you want to have die in this movie, and then some people who you don't want to have die in this movie, does die. Janeway dies. Zell dies. The other Zell dies. Right. It sucks that Elsa dies. She is a traitor, though. Well, so, mm. but we yeah. don't know if she was. Tortured into it. Is she we don't coer- know if she's she certainly was... coerced into it, right? Yeah, right. Like, and then, you know, there's even a question: Did you have sex with him? Like, are you in a relationship with right. either of the Zell brothers? Which also, surprise, surprise, goes unanswered. <laughs> so it's like, um, your knowledge about any of these people is so 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 limited and it, it can't like if you think about it too much it is a little bit infuriating so i don't want to do that um but the movie itself the experience of the movie is very good although yeah those tor- dental torture scenes uh, yeah the the, the it reminded well, me a lot and i mentioned it at the time of watching one of harold pinter's plays 
these people just sort of saying odd, random things that don't quite make sense, but he's repeating it in a way that sort of makes it sort of menacing. And you are getting freaked out. Like, why does he keep saying that? Why does he keep saying that? What is he talking about? Yeah. And then his whole speech about, you know, the logic behind why he's going to drill into a healthy tooth. I'm going into that cavity that I'm not going into that cavity. That nerve's already dying. A live, freshly cut nerve is infinitely more sensitive. So I'll just drill it into a healthy tooth until I reach the pulp. Oh, great, great. Okay, cool. The thing is, (laughs) one of the cut scenes is him actually, you see that happening. And I and I think that no, we Olivier's care. performance, Hoffman's look of absolute horror. One of the guys in the torture chamber, one of the guys who almost drowned Hoffman in, in real life, yeah, is the guy who then turns around and turns his back to it because he can't look at it. Like that, that was an interesting touch. Interesting that yeah. the guy just turns and goes, "I, I can't." But I think just that line in itself yeah, tells you, you everything you need to know. Vomit. <laughs> right. I would vomit. If I, if I heard the sound of a dental drill and the screaming that was accompanied by it, right. vomiting. The, I would be vomiting. <laughs> this film is the first use of the steady cam. Most people think it's rocky. They run up the stairs. But mm. the gyroscopically mounted camera got used in this film to really good effect. Uh, the chase scenes are really, really well done. Um... That jump from one freeway to the other was amazing, too. Yes. Yeah. I was like, well, you're going to break something. <laughs> right. <sighs> but, yeah, the, the film overall, it, it's, it really, aside from the plot holes, and I think some of the plot holes are deliberate because, again, shadowy underworld of spies, it was really exciting and it was really well done. And it was a, a welcome change from just, I don't know, as much as... Raging Bull is the work of a master filmmaker. It is at the same time did not need to be on this list. I didn't care for it. Right. And I didn't think it was thrilling. This definitely is thrilling. If nothing else, it's thrilling. I wish I'm seeing that they have cut. There is a a brief... Um, they say it's handled subtly in the movie, but it's done almost like a joke, so you don't know that it's true. Mm. In the book, Janeway and Doc are lovers. Okay. Uh, in the movie, Doc arrives in Paris and calls Janeway, and he says, Janie, I miss you. Get your ass over here. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right? But that could be a ribbing. That mm. could be right. them joking around with each other. But apparently in the movie, their sexual relationship is not subtle at all. And Doc pines for Janeway several times in the in the course of the story. Like, right. it is an integral part of the relationship. Now, for my part, do I want more gay relationships? Yes, I do. Do I want anybody to fuck the va- or, uh, uh, William Smith's character in this? Janeway's character in this? No, I do not use the worst. Well, I think it's, <laughs> so. it's interesting looking at how, and this is going to sound weird and political, but it's the truth how the conservative backlash in the 80s really moved everything back. Because we could have this hinted at here, we could have seen... we Dog Day Afternoon. Yes. In terms of, like, gay representation, right? And then all of a sudden there's just this turning back where it's like, no, we can't talk about that anymore. And I thought, well, but we were getting somewhere. Yeah. We were actually having these conversations about people. Yeah. 
And it, yeah, this wild idea that, oh, gay people didn't exist before X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, you're fucking idiots. <laughs> the same amount of gay people existed in the 60s as exist now. Right. 70s that exist now. Sadly, not so much in the 80s. That's our own fucking fault. Right. We lost a generation. Mm. We, they, the, the queer community lost a generation of people. Like, people talking about how there are no older trans people. I'm like, they died. Right. They died in the 80s. And there was a number of reasons why they died. One of them, though, it was something we were discussing just yesterday. Um, AIDS ran rampant in that community. And for those of us who are old enough to remember it, it God, it was horrifying. It was, we really thought the world was going to end. That was... You never... Yeah, you couldn't tell, but... Thank God, thank God that's under control. So apparently also in the book, and in the original uh, screenplay, because Goldman mm -hmm. made an adaptation of his own fucking work, so he ended it the same way, but it was rewritten by Robert Pound because, uh, speculated because Hoffman didn't like it. Which is wild, because you're not this character. <laughs> that's fine. Uh the final confrontation between Babe and Zell in particular is changed in the film. He spares Zell in the pump room, forcing him to swallow his diamonds, and then he falls on his own blade. In the novel, Babe takes Zell to Central Park and shoots him multiple times and then lectures him as he's dying, mm -hmm. which is not a scene I think I want to watch. Uh, and then he throws the diamonds away and is led away by policemen. I'm like, okay, well, how does he throw... Because those cops are going after those diamonds before yeah. they're going after you. Yeah. They'll just they'll just shoot you and then go after those diamonds. I think that, <laughs> like, that yeah, the, the film ended well for what it had set you up for, I think. Is it safe is ranked number 70 on the 100 Years 100 Movie Quotes the AFI did? Mm. Uh, Cell is the 34th villain on the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains. Uh, this film is number 50. We're right in the middle of mm -hmm. the, uh, of the 100 thrills, which, oh yeah, so previews ended up having several film, several, uh, mm -hmm. scenes, violent scenes pulled out, which I think the violence in this movie was about where I needed it to be. I'm also very anti-violence in my watching these days, people violence specifically, and mm. Nazis are nothing if not people violence. Uh, so I was, I'm grateful that I didn't have to watch eight and a half extra minutes of torture. Uh, but yeah, so it's, I think it's a really good movie. I don't need to watch it again. I think if I watch it again, I'd just get pissed off because I'd be like, why are you not answering the questions that you are... Uh, putting forth but also I'm like should I read the book are the answers in the book and then if I read the book am I going to be super pissed because the answers aren't in the book because William Goldman wrote both of them right and I gotta presume that his plot holes are his plot holes you know what I mean <laughs> like you can't see what you can't see what was the other thing we got to the end and it was like the sixth build person is Fritz Weaver the professor from right. the beginning who has one scene of, of dialogue. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like five people yeah. talking to each other and a fuck ton of background characters. 
There's almost no speaking parts in this movie. It's weird. The woman who sees him on 47th Street. Yes. Plays a hell of a part. Lottie Palfi Andor, old lady on 47th Street. Who comes, who sees him and recognizes him. There is, yeah, there's some great stuff. Even that scene is thrilling. It's very Hitchcockian in that suddenly you're going, oh, is he going to get discovered? She's after him, isn't he? And, And he's playing it. Do you, here's an interesting thing. What? I wonder if they got her specifically for this. Her most memorable roles mm-hmm. were in Casablanca, where she's the woman who has to sell her diamonds in order to escape the Nazis. Oh, that's interesting. And in Marathon Man, where she's the woman on 47th Street right. with her diamonds. I wonder if they cast her for that. Well, I possibly. bet they did. There's that's a, incredible. The guy who she's plays, the wife of a fairly famous film editor, so uh, she was... The man who plays no. um, the brother, uh, Olivia's character, Zell, yeah. he was on the Hindenburg. He was actually held as a person of interest in the destruction of the Hindenburg. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's... A, I wonder about the casting here. It's a, this is all very odd and strange. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if that's why... Because that's an interesting sort of link of, like, with the diamonds. Uh, so... That's how do you, how do you think it was thrilling? I think it was. I think it was. You asked me really like four thrilling. times. I yeah. asked you now. <laughs> um, I think that the the nod to, to there's like really funny things in it too. That if you've watched enough films, if you're a cineast, cineast. I oh like my that. god! I would never say that I am. So you will. Um, I won't. The fact that when Roy Scheider is getting, they're attempting to strangle him. The witness is a man in a wheelchair across the way, which is a throwback to Alfred Hitchcock in Real Window, yeah, 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 which yeah, is yeah. a movie that we're going to see. Um, there's a lot of like funny things like that in this movie, but they're all delivered at this very um, this pitch where it's like, was it meant to be funny? Was that supposed to be? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I'm glad that we got to see this one, and it was a good palate cleanser. Yeah, weird that the movie about Nazis is a palate cleanser. What's right. happening? Uh, next up, not a movie about Nazis. A movie about Jews. <laughs> oh, this is a movie about Jews, too. <laughs> it's true. We're going to watch Ben-Hur uh, for the next six and a half days, and then we're going to talk about it for, like, approximately forever. Uh, we're doing this as one episode. We're going to do it as one episode, because there's a hundred movies we got to get through. Um cut to next episode that we're recording where I'm like, so when I said one episode, what I meant was two episodes, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Where is Ben-Hur available to watch? I recorded it from AMC. I believe, let's see. uh, Yeah, you might have to look that one up because I I don't know. Oh, what movie? Rentable? It's rentable, y'all. From Amazon or Apple or Mind you, we should cl- uh, clarify, this is the 1959 Ben-Hur. Yes. There, it's been made four times, times, I think, uh, as a film, as an animated film, as a, all sorts of things. But there's actual four dramatizations. There's one, um, the silent one, which yeah, was watching the silent very gay. Maybe we should get that out. 
It was very gay. <laughs> we have that's fine. But we're gonna be watching this more Charlton Heston and more teeth acting, so mm. Well We already when, know when that you my, consider what, what my stance on Charlton Heston that, is, which is uh, I prefer not. So when you consider <laughs> that the other people for the part were Burt Lancaster, who also does teeth acting. Um, and then I thought the funniest bit was Kirk Douglas wanted yeah. to play the part, Mr. Teeth Actor, who always yeah, acts through his teeth. <laughs> and no. William Wilder, the director, is like, nope, you know nope, like nope, nope. Don't want to work with that guy. the appropriate, I don't know, ethnicity. Well, that would be, well, Kirk Douglas was. Um, but, yeah. His actual name is Isser Danielovich, I think. That's still not he's brown a, enough. Right. I don't think. He's not. <sighs> he, he is Jewish. <laughs> sure. But we're not even talking about Ashkenazi Jew. We're no. talking about very. Sephardic? Like Middle Eastern. Right. Like dark of skin and hair. <laughs> These baby blues are bullshit. <laughs> like, uh, that's what I'm saying, but it's fine. So we're going to watch Ben-Hur next week. In the meantime, do you have anything that you want to recommend to our lovely listeners? I think that um, I've seen a pair of documentaries lately. And the uh, Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. Yep. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's a very interesting movie. In that it's about hubris. And it's about a person who's obviously very deeply mentally ill. I remember when this happened. I don't remember anything that happened after it. But I remember the very first interview when he was like, and I hit him with a hatchet, smash, smash, smash. And I'm like, this man should be in jail. He should, at the very least, be um, evaluated. because. He's not well. It's very clear he's not well. And I couldn't tell if he was not well and high or just not well. Right. Okay. Um, and I think it's both. It turns out it's yeah. both because he had smoked a fucking lace joint with the driver of the vehicle that he then smashed in the head. Like, it, yeah. No. But this person lives outside of society. Right? I don't understand why people don't get that he does not... All the things you think are norms, he doesn't. Yeah. And, like, I understand that. I don't understand what it's like to think like him, but Mm. I understand that that is the case. He does not. He does not care. It's not he's putting on a front that he doesn't care. He does not care. He doesn't even know how to care about material things. Like, he just doesn't. That's not in him. See, I see it differently in that I believe there's a point where he begins to believe that he can do anything that he likes. Um, I didn't see that. Yeah, I, I saw and that. And I explicitly didn't see that because when he's going up to that group of guys and he's like, can you at least buy me a beer if you're going to take 15 pictures? Mm-hmm. Because he just knows, like, they're just going to use me. Right. And want stuff from me and they're not going to get any, anything back to his, me. His biggest idea seems to be that he wants to be taken on his own terms, which is fine, which is what everyone wants. Um, but that's not true. Really? <laughs> no, that is true to you. That's mm-hmm. not true to me. So that's what this is a norm really? that you think is real. 
that okay. I yes that, I, that 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 does not resonate with me. So you don't want to be taken on your own terms. I don't even know what my own terms are. Oh. Um. <laughs> so I'm just saying mm-hmm. these are the things that we think are fundamental building blocks of human right. um, existence and being. We all feel these ways. We don't. And he sort of more clearly than a lot of other people doesn't, <laughs> just doesn't. Um, I don't even think he cares if he, if you take him on his own terms because he's gonna, he does not have any stock in you. He does not care about what you are thinking or doing until it, it, you know, it interacts with what he wants to be doing. Did you see something this week that you want to recommend? Well, what was your other? You said that one, and then there was another documentary that you. Liked. Oh, was the the um, the Pez outlaw? The Pez outlaw. I fell asleep a little bit there. Yeah, which was a really. It's, I liked the way that they were making it kind of a, a movie, movie in a documentary. Yeah, <laughs> and that one was a little bit more sad because he doesn't get what he wants oh. necessarily. Although neither does the, the hitch, hatchet-wielding hitchhiker. No, he's in prison for 57 years, so he definitely... But, um, but yeah, I... Isn't happy. Uh, that, that was also an interesting film, how this person sees this niche and he just runs with it. And how he is able to consciously create a story. Yeah. In the end, that's how he succeeds. That dude definitely seems neuroatypical. Oh, so too. does his wife. Yes, maybe, maybe not. We once you're uh, w- when you marry somebody that is neuroatypical uh-huh. or neurodivergent, you a lot of times will adjust like on purpose adjust your behavior so that you're not triggering to that person. Right. If it's easy for you to do, and I feel like that might be what she said. She's just a chill lady. I mean, I don't know. I did miss some stuff. Who was just like, no, I like this dude, and I get my time, and he gets his time, and we can live separately, and then when we come together, it's really good. She could say the sex was really good, which cracked me up. I'm like, this movie has Pez in the title. Why are you telling me this? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really that was really interesting, because it was like he, he found a way to exploit this mm. hole until they patched right. that hole up. And the way they did it was so vindictive. And also, I think what was puzzling to me was how much trouble a company goes through just to stop someone. Um, yeah. I don't, it's, Disney does this regularly and I don't understand it. I'm just like, you're not losing anything. When, some, when, a, when an artist on Etsy uses Mickey Mouse and makes something with Mickey Mouse on it and sells it, the person who buys that wasn't going to go to and get Disney merchandise. They weren't, you weren't going to get that money instead. That's not right. what's happened. So I just, I don't understand this fanaticism by huge companies right. towards individual artists. Artists getting stole, their shit stolen by huge companies. I absolutely understand fighting for that. But mm-hmm. Disney, you could save so much money by just, letting go of your copyright uh the the people who sent the deceased and desist letters so much money you could save i think i have another friend with an interesting case where his um his significant other his partner wrote a uh science fiction story and 
they a studio bought it, oh God, 20 years ago, and will continue to pay on it simply because they don't want anybody else to have it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so every... Which is fine, actually. Every once in a while... she they, gets money every right, five but years. But the story is now... In, is she writes in the cyberpunk genre. Oh, so it's like... So it's completely... Even, it's out of date. Yeah. It's nothing that you know he can go back to. And they're like, but they're still paying on it so that nobody else can get to it. It's one of those things. But they'll figure. So did you see something this week that you liked? So fundamentally what that movie was about, though, was he went to the the artist that makes Pez in Europe where mm-hmm. they make Pez and got huge amounts of things that the U- U.S. branch wouldn't import right. because they didn't like this guy's designs. And this guy liked that his designs were liked and gave them, mm-hmm. like, sold them all to this guy who was appreciative of his work. And I'm just like, once again, a big company shitting on an artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm getting mad that the artist was like, well, fuck you, man. <laughs> um, I have not really watched anything. I've watched the things that I've watched with you, and those were those documentaries and... I haven't really been listening to anything. I started the first episode of White Lotus, but I'm 10 minutes in, and I, and I don't think that show needs my help either um, after all of its awards lately. Uh, but that was, you know, 10 minutes of interest, but it's a several-episode show, so I am mm. not the one to uh, to advise you to watch it now. So, no. Mm. We're going to take your two and call it good. What I recommend to you is getting an early start on Ben Har because that movie's real long. <laughs> uh, so, well, if you want to watch watch it with us, start it now because you may want to watch it an hour. Like right time. now, just stop. Right now, turn this off. Go oh, start this movie. We're finishing up. So, in the meantime, questions, comments, concerns. If you have any idea what they wanted to know from Babe, you don't. Unless you're William Goldman, in which case, please email me at latecomerspod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod or on Facebook by searching for Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. Until next week, when it's going to be a long one, everybody, so buckle up. Um, I would like to remind you to take your medicines, and we'd like to remind you better, better late, late than, than never. never.